This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast. Sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast. I am your host, Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk, and I am here, along with Albert Curley and Lucy Wyatt, to prepare you for our weekend's trip to the City of Culture 2017, Hull. Our Hull fan this week is Ian Walterson of Hull Kingston Radio, and we will also be joined by a special guest. While it is not the actual special guest that we hinted at last week, that particular guest will be coming on in two weeks' time instead, we are joined by a man that played for both Paddison Hull, Stuart Green. Before we get into all of that, remember to subscribe to both of our podcasts by visiting holradio.net forward slash subscribe. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Right, so maybe this week we're going to have a bit more of an upbeat show as opposed to the um, the doom and gloom of the last uh, preview podcast where none of us could see a win. Um, Albert, are you, are you in better spirits this week? Aye. Yeah, good. Aye. <laughs> yeah, it was it good. Was, I mean, I was on the review show, so I've, you know, I've... Used all your good stuff there. Well, that's as I, yeah, exactly. As I said at the end of the review show, you've even... <laughs> it's callback, very good. Uh, yeah, no, it's great, and it's... Uh, but you know hull's massive still so mm. well it's not that big it's it's very small um and callbacks don't work if you explain what i've done there so congratulations on ruining that we'll we'll get you off of this for a few weeks because you're obviously running out of material lucy you can get a while time it has it has been a while <laughs> yes how you how have you been um i've been well thank you um a bit better after last weekend. Um, getting Certainly finally getting helps. a clean sheet and three points. And like Albert, I was also on the review show, so I also have used all my material. Excellent stuff. So we <laughs> won't talk any more about actually winning three 0 and we'll go into somehow inspiring to lose to the worst team in the league. Yeah. Uh, but before we touch on that, uh, it's been reported uh, that Southampton are prepared to let Jose Font go. In the, in the January window. He said of Alan Pardew, he was massive for me. He believed in me because he made me one of the captains and he gave me the opportunity to join this great club, being Southampton. Uh, he is a person I will always have a good relationship. Now, <laughs> um, 
rumours rumours do rounds, they do, and uh, later on you'll hear how we got a Stuart Green rumour very wrong. <laughs> um, I was under the impression that uh, Jose Font and Pardew didn't get on very well. Have you heard that rumour, Albert? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Maybe. But apparently not. That was a quote, a legit quote I found from Jose Font. So um, would when? you take how it back loose? Oh, how recent? It was definitely way after that. It's uh, from <clears> last season. It was when we oh. met in the FA Cup. Maybe it wasn't yeah. his fault. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, would you take Jose back? Yes, I would. I I was upset when he went in the first place, so I think he would be a welcome back addition. Yeah, but what is he? He's getting on a bit now. Did you did you think he looked good on the weekend? Um, he was one of the better performers, I thought, and that's saying a lot because he wasn't. <laughs> His usual standard. Um, was it was it his fault for, for Fraser Foster's mistake because he did pass it back to him? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So, um, Albert, Fraser Foster aside, which is how I'd imagine you'd play in goal, doing that, <laughs> would you take Jose Font back? <laughs> Oi, I'd be all right in goal. Thank you very much. Is I'd... this because you're rather large and you'd fill it out? Yeah, I'd, I'd, anything in the top corners... Mine, anything low down, especially to my left, no chance. Um, <laughs> Giving away your weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. Too too many. Uh, would I? I'd, I'd take him back definitely. I th- you know, I think um, experienced Premier League centre halves of a, any sort of quality are, are rare, and um, you know, he might be. He might not be in the the golden period of his um, career, but I'd take him back. And he's obviously a European Championships winner now as well. After there you go them somehow grinding that out uh right so whole this weekend are, are they the perfect opponents or were are we worried that Pardew might be just you know sitting back cigar in one hand nice glass of whiskey in the other saying got it all sorted now lads we're gonna beat them what do you reckon Luce? um it, for me it's an it's um we can't be too laid back I say we, they can't be too laid back. Um, it's not like I'm going to go on the pitch. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like you've got to look at Swansea. You know, they were struggling, they're bottom of the league, yet they've done us over. So we can't be too complacent. We need to go in with the mentality that we had at the weekend. Um, we need to sort of almost forget that um, Southampton did happen and go in and just do what we did and hopefully get three points. I don't know if we'll get a clean sheet, but we've just got to wait and see, haven't we? Yeah, well, I don't think Hull score many. Um, Albert, you said last week a little bit of you w- would like to see what happened if we went 2-0 down. Say, does the same work for this weekend? No, it doesn't. No, probably not, because I think it might happen. No, um... <laughs> I think this might be our this could be Alan Pardew's Rocky Three moment. You know, he's just smashed smashed a team three 0 He's going to go in up against Hull, portrayed by Mister T, um, too cocky, not not sharp enough. Eye of the Tiger reference obviously makes its makes its own joke, and I th- you know we could come unstuck. To to demonstrate how nervous I am about this game, I would probably take a draw now. A draw. I would definitely take a draw now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think you're in a minority there of most other Palace fans. Now, I was um, very much saying that I thought 
over the three games being Swansea, Southampton and Hull, that he would need six points to keep his job safe. So he obviously got three of them in the unexpected game to be getting them. So, And I think it was against a rather abject-looking Southampton. So Albert obviously there doesn't think that this will be a start of another Pardew run. What, what about you, Lucy? I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, I think he, it could be because it's the sort of thing Pardew does, isn't it? He has these really bad spells and then he has a really good spell and then he has another bad spell. But it's one of those games that, yes, we we could easily win it. They're rubbish. I mean, we're not that much better, but we're considerably better than them. Um, all the odds are pointing in our favour. We're, we're coming back off a really great win. They're not so good. Um but you, this is Palace. Anything yeah. Whenever you expect us to win, we tend to lose and vice versa. So it's it wouldn't really surprise me. To tell what, what yeah, to see us lose 2-0 this weekend and then go and beat Chelsea and United or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a lot for it not to be last on match of the day, isn't it? Let's be honest. It, it was. It's definitely a strong favourite. <laughs> definitely a strong favourite. <laughs> um, Albert. Yo. Lovely man, you. So, do you name the same lineup? You never change a winning team, or do you not subscribe to that? Uh, I think if it was if it was a Chelsea or United that you could say is a game that we wouldn't necessarily expect anything from. I think you could maybe make a couple of tweaks, but I think it's again. I said it on the review. Show, I think it's idiotic if he changes it. And, you know, obviously injuries aside, or if anyone's got a knock, yeah, you got to. Mix it up, but I just don't see why you... I, I cannot, even in my wildest dreams, think of a decent enough excuse to change it. Mm. So, Lucy, Kabai not coming back in? Uh, I would put Kabai on bench, certainly. I'd put. I'd take Much or Chungy out and put Kabai in on the bench, but I still... Much, let's face it. <laughs> um, like Alp said, and you said, why change a winning formula? But I can, I can very much see Alan Pardew wanting to throw throw Kabaya back in there. Um, I still wonder if he's got a if I'm fit, I must play clause in his contract because um, <laughs> I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see. There's probably a little bit more room for it against Hull. I don't think they're going to be very expansive and come out and look to attack us. So there's maybe more room to play Kabaya there. But um, I think it was touched on on the review show and I touched on it in my match report. Uh, I think he stifles Jason Punchin, so if you want to get the best out of Punch, then he probably does it best when there isn't by there. Now, I don't think that's um, good enough, really, from the bunch of them. They, they're professional footballers and they're all very talented footballers and they should be able to work out a way to play with each other, but there isn't, there's something definitely wrong a little bit there with the balance. Um, so, Albert, we'll end with, if, if Pardew does lose it, Will they will they turf him out there and then get Keith Millen in for the two difficult ones and then get a new manager in in time for the transfer window? No, his job's completely safe, isn't it? Which is must be really motivating to hear when you're Alan Pardew, hearing that everything's rosy and your job's totally safe and you're not in any danger whatsoever. Um, he's going nowhere for for the foreseeable. Mm. So. That, I, I wanted to ask you here that that nice little awkward pointing moment that you had with Steve Parrish that's what I assume you have every time you see Tom Cruise is that what you two do with each other? <laughs> There's definitely a thumbs up but not necessarily a visible one 
<laughs> Lucy, what about you and Tom Cruise? Um, the Romans aren't true. <laughs> I would deny them to the day that I die. Right. Um, I'm taller than him. Wouldn't work. <laughs> and you know nothing about science, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Our um, classic match feature is not happening this week. We have had some good ones against Hull, but um, I've got a guest, so no classic match. Instead, we're going to go back to our played for both clubs section. And um, after this short jingle, we will be joined by Stuart Green, who played a combined 173 games for Palace and Hull. And we're going to discuss a bit around his career, um, what he's doing now, and um, his thoughts on the upcoming match against Hull. Get in touch with the show. All of our contact details can be found at holradio.net forward slash contact. Right, we are now joined by former Eagle and former Tiger, Tiger Stuart Green. Thanks for joining us, Stuart. Thank you. Right, I'm just going to read off a little bit about your career. Um, let me know if I get anything wrong. Um, so you had an 11-year professional playing career, which started at Newcastle before having two separate spells at Carlisle, Hull, Palace, Blackpool, Crewe and Wickham. Is that right? Yeah, that's spot on, yeah. Um, got 227 appearances with 35 goals. Um, you made 24 of those appearances for Palace and you scored four of your goals in that spell. So you joined us in 2006. How, how did that move come about to Palace? I was at a situation where uh, I was quite happy at Hull. Um, but obviously it was a transition period. You know, our manager, of course, left Hull to go to Palace. Um, new manager come in and had fresh ideas. So it was just a case of um, leaving Hull and, and picking the best club available on deadline day. Uh, I had a few options on deadline day, but um, you know, I was really excited to join Crystal Palace, a club of, of the size and stature and, and the players that was already there. And obviously I'd worked with the previous manager before, who um, who was an excellent coach. So it, it, was, it was a no-brainer for me to come to London. Mm, excellent. And um, but is, is Peter Taylor your father-in-law? Is that right? No, no, no. That's not right. Oh, right. OK. <laughs> um, right. So, um, yeah, so you say, as you say, not, you played... There's not a lot of distance in that one, unfortunately. I guess it's just the um, the common... Uh, well, I guess it's just a rumour then, obviously. It's a rumour in London, um, but, but nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird um, well yeah so I guess a lot of it comes from having played under Peter at three different clubs I guess but um... yeah I, I, I met him at, um, I met him when I was at um, Hull he, he came to, he came when, when Jan Morby got, got sacked at Hull and he's a, he's a terrific coach and, and he, he worked miracles at Hull he had a good squad and you know he had a little bit of, a bit of money to spend and he's um he was terrific there, and I know he struggled a little bit at Crystal Palace. He was desperate to do well at Palace. Mm. Yeah, well, he obviously is held in such high regard as a player, and um, I think it sort of dampened it a little bit with his um, spell as manager. But um, he, I think he, Palace... he went there as a he went there at a, at a really really tough time. Um, mm. Obviously, the club had just been relegated, um, and you know they, they sold three sold three or four of their best players and. Uh, chairman still expected promotion. 
you can't sell your, your best players and, and, and get promoted. It, it's a, you know it's it's a little bit of a, a weird one that one. Mm. Yeah, well, Simon Jordan had some very weird outlooks on things. Um, right, so you got into a plan. You played the first few appearances from the bench, but you scored on your full debut, which was against Cardiff. Do you remember that goal? Uh, look, you know, I, I remember the the day before, um, you know, being told I was playing and I was so excited. It was kind of, I think Cardiff were top of the league. We might have been second or, or somewhere in the league at the time. And, um I just do have a knack of scoring goals on my debut, and I get I, I, I managed to uh, I managed to in my career get in the get in the right place at the right time and time my runs and I remember time my run right and, and scored. It was a fantastic day for me, um, you know, and, and and I wanted to kick on from then, um, but after that it was a little bit slow, um, certainly till Christmas anyway. Yeah, so that's about so you scored on. Um... New Year's Day as well in a three-one win against Norwich, but then in the ja- in the January you got injured with a shoulder injury. Right, and I was, if I remember, it was only supposed to keep you out for five or six weeks, but it dragged on a little bit. Yeah, it was a real unlucky period for me because I'd, I'd, I'd you know scored the goal on my debut and then I was out the team for a, a couple of months and then I got back in sort of New Year's Day and you know at the time I'd scored two goals in two games and 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 things were going well and. You know, it was such a, a tough period because I dislocated my shoulder, and um, there's a weak point there where only an operation would would solve it really. So that that ruled that ruled off the season at a time where I was in the team playing well. Um, so I was really really frustrated at the time, and um, while while the squad were away, I was I was at home in in Bromley. Mm. Yeah. So then. Um... Obviously, you started on the opening day of the following season, and in that impressive four-one win at Southampton, we actually had um, James Scowcroft on the show last week talking about his hat trick in that game. Um, yeah, you provided the cross for his first goal in that one. Do you remember that from a corner? Yeah, we we, we um, I remember we were always good at set pieces. Peter teams are always good at set pieces, and and I remember that one going in. That was a terrific day, and 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 we weren't really expecting to to do that. Um, you know, but but we went away from there, you know, excited, um, and and it just didn't happen. Um, you know, the team was changed, and you know, I always believe, and and I'm sure a lot of other of my former play or players believe, you know, you keep, you keep the winning team, you know, and and we didn't, we chopped and changed and tried to find a solution, and then a defeat come and a defeat come, and, and we struggled really. Yeah, so that's you scored a couple of times in that bad run. You scored against Leicester and uh, against Coventry, which was your your final league goal. Um, and then, yeah, Peter Taylor got sacked after winning just two of the opening ten league games that season. Um, I guess Alan Pardew's pretty lucky that Simon Jordan isn't the chairman at the moment. Um, and your final game actually came against uh, your former club Hull for Palace in October 2007. So when... Um, yeah. Was it because War- Warnock came in? Did he did he just say to you that uh, there's no space for you here, or what happened there? I think it was a mixture of both. Um, I think Neil come in, and, and you know anyone that knows me, I'm not you know, certainly not a Neil Warnock type player, um, <laughs> and you know which is not a problem. You know, I didn't have a problem with Neil. Neil was honest. I was honest with him, and I did actually want to move back up north. Um, you know, I got on really well with me. We were honest and open about each other. And it took a couple of months for my move to go through. But yeah, I, I mean, 
it was a tough time in my uh, personal life. Um, you know, I was going through some tough times. My mum was ill, so I wanted to. I, I wanted, if I could, to move north. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, Neil was quite good in making that happen. Um, and sooner rather than you know later, I, I got my move in January. Well, yeah, it's funny because your fans don't see this sort of aspect that goes on behind the scenes and occasionally players will just disappear from the club and no one knows why. And obviously you have, you, you, there's, you actually have a real life going on behind the, the football. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I love Crystal Palace. You know, New, my, my spell at Newcastle and Hull and Crystal Palace, they're the best clubs, you know, anyone can dream of joining in. You know, you know I got well looked after, I got on well with everyone. The club were great with me. Um, I loved the area I lived in. I, I loved everything about it, but you like fans don't realise sometimes that footballers are ju- we're just normal guys. And mm. you know, if we, we, I needed to recommute, I, I felt, and I needed to come back closer to home. And, and I'm, I'm quite thankful to Neil for making that happen. Yeah, so as I said, we had um, James Skokoft on last week and um, when listed, he listed a few players from the 2007-8 season as being really good footballers and your name was included in that list of three players. I think he mentioned Ben Watson as well. And um, and personally, I thought you were technic- technically very good and had a, a very good understanding of the, of the game. But with all that in mind, why, why do you think going on after you left Palace, you didn't make, you didn't make more appearances than you did going into what like, was around your peak time? Yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of people ask me this, and I think it was, um, I think my personal life took over. If I'm being honest, my, I lost my mum shortly after um, leaving Palace, um, and that was a big blow. And, and you know, I, I needed to be a little bit, a little bit more mentally tougher, if I'm being brutally honest, to get through that period. And of course, you know, I came from Newcastle to Hull, to Palace, three terrific clubs. And then, unfortunately, I went to Blackpool. Mm. Now, you know, when you've been at them three clubs and you've been looked after like I did at them three clubs, I was it was unknown to me what I was going to Blackpool, but it wasn't really what I was what I was hoping for and, and expected to do. Um, and my career just went from then, to be honest with you. It, it just, I wasn't as fit as I used to be. My desire to get fit wasn't like it used to be, and I suppose you know if I'm if I'm being brutally honest on myself, um, I wanted to play for a club like I'd been used to, and and, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, do you feel like football has helped people enough? Because there's obviously a lot of stuff coming out at the moment, and there's a lot of. Um you know, more history. Leon McKenzie used to play for Palace, example, has talked openly about suicide and stuff. Do you, do you think there was enough help for you in football, like around the time you lost your mother, sort of like psychological support? I think if you, I think if you ask for it when you're a football player, I think if you ask for it, it is there. You know, mm-hmm. the, the union or whatever it is. If you ask for it, it's there. It's what they do. They don't do enough when you finish playing. Um, I feel... You know, when I, I'll give you an example. When I was playing, my phone never stopped ringing. Do you want this? Do you want to come this? Do you want to do this? But when you finish, it doesn't. Um, you know, and, and and I feel unless you talk about something, and it's a tough time when you finish playing football, and people, you know, people react differently. Some of my friends have found it really, really tough. Me, I, I was expecting it, so I've managed to 
live a normal life since I've played football, but some of my friends have really, really struggled. Mm. Okay, so then we've got your last Wikipedia entry. Um, this is the only time I checked you on Wikipedia, I promise. Um, it was the 29th of June 2012, you became player manager of Northern League Division 1 Whitehaven. Whitehaven's your hometown, is that correct? Yeah, it, it, it's something from as far back as I can remember. I always wanted to be a manager. Mm. I always listened to my managers and I've had, you know, I've been in the dressing room with some, some of the world's best, really. So I've been lucky in that sense and I always wanted to be one and you know, I was at Workington playing on league and it, it wasn't for me. I couldn't get my head around part-time football. and So I, I, I literally did a year there. And, and then this opportunity came up in my hometown and I thought, you know, I, I've always wanted to do it. I might as well start at the bottom. And, and I, I, I did one year and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but in that sense, I'm a little bit like I was. If I'm going to go into management, I've got to kind of look at it, you know, the same way as a player. And I always believe that, you know, on, on the 1st of August or whenever the season kicks off, you've got to aim towards promotion. Mm. So I did that as a manager and unfortunately the club didn't match my ambition. So after after one year, I, I, I left. Uh, but you did achieve the highest ever league finish in that division and made the cup final, we right? Did. We did. We, we've never, you know, they'd never got to where they were. They'd never been to... You know the, the the sort of Cumbria Cup final, and but we did. I I I had a lot more professional approach, and I managed to bring in some great people, and um, and and I think the players, you know, took on board everything that I was saying. But like I say, football players are they're all the same, no matter whether you're non-league or or you're you in the Premier League. If you do something, you know, you want something else to give you that ambition to do it again and I thought after my first year I'm not going to be able to you know do what I want to do with them okay. so um, so that was in 2012-13 what, what do you do with yourself now professionally I've got my um, I've got my own sort of business I've, I've got my own football academy um, okay. where I, I go into school I go into schools and provide football in their PE curriculum and um, I've got my own academy where I do sort of holiday clubs and it's really good. It, it, it's it's just following on from, you know, if you're not a footballer, then you coach. It's a, and and yeah. it's, an ex, it, it's the next best thing for me, really. Uh, yeah. And I enjoy it, which is, which is amazing. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's always good to give something back for sure. Right. So we always end with a little um, Stuart Green on Stuart Green quiz. James Scowcroft got four out of four last week, so no, no pressure here. He probably reads himself every day. No comment on that one. Um, how, um, how many penalties did you score in your career? I've got time to count. Yeah, you've, you've got, you've allowed to count, yep. Um, right. Oh. Um, I would guess that. Um, it was a definitely a lot easier question for Scurry because he only had one, and that was for a hat trick. So obviously, a striker is not going to forget that one. <laughs> so the only the only penalties I took would have been the full So I would say one, uh, two, three, Does this count in penalty shootouts or not? No, just regular pens. Four of them, yeah. 
Four. You got. I've got three against Yeovil, Bournemouth, and Derby, all for Hull. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, where have I got the fourth one for? <laughs> um, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you scored your first and second career league goals against the same club, but not in the same game, which is a weird little stat. Who were they against? My first and second career goals. Yep. Yeah, both again. They were both against the same team, but they came in different games. So I think no sort of around the Christmas time you'll have a you'll play the same club over about a six week period. First ever career goal was against Russian Diamonds. Yeah, there you go. That's correct. That was the club. You scored a few times against them, actually. They kept popping up in I the um, in the league. I did, I did well against Rushton. One of those bogey bogey players. Um, yeah. How many times were you sent off? Once. Yeah. What did, what did you do there? It says again here against Exeter. You scored and then got sent off. Yeah, I, I, I scored early on and I accidentally elbowed someone and, you know, it's just not. It just wasn't in my game. It, it, it wasn't. I remember I was jumping for the header, and then, you know, when you put your arm up, and I've elbowed him mm. and broke the guy's nose, and the referee sent me off. I didn't mean to do it. It's quite. Yeah, it can be quite easy to do. Yeah, it can be quite easy to do. I knew the guy who had done it to as well. You know, so <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I said to him, I said to him full time, it's not in my game, and he said, yeah, I know. You know, so it was unfortunate, really. Right, and then finally, the one we always end on, how many times did you score against Palace in your career? I've never scored against Palace. There you go. That's, that is always the right answer. <laughs> um, right, so we'll, we'll touch a little bit on the game that's coming up this weekend. You said uh, before we started recording that you were at the whole game on Monday night. How did they look? I was disappointed, really. Um, you know, they, they defended quite well, but that's the... That's the only part about it, you know. They they were they were poor going forward, and and if they don't improve, which I think they will for Saturday, I think they'll probably change their system. If they don't improve for Saturday, it'll be a long afternoon. They were really really poor going forward. Yeah, it's a good, kind of a difficult time to catch Palace, I think, because we're probably going to be quite buoyed from the win over Southampton. Did um were Hull playing with three at the back on Monday night? No, they played um, they played two at the back, but I think on on Saturday he will go to the three, and I think he'll um, I think he'll probably push someone a little bit further forward to to make it a two man up front. He'll have to. Yeah. They were they were they were they were really poor. Yeah, under Pardew, we've struggled a bit against three at the back. Um, it seems to work quite well against foul formation, so that could it's be a, a good move game. for I mean, them. We're, mm. we're only in December, but it's a big game, and Crystal Palace, they've got to do an awful lot better than they've been doing. Mm. You know, if I look at the two clubs, it's kind of expected after the summer they had and the money that they've spent, it's kind of expected them to be where they are, but you know, with Crystal Palace, they, they need to do a lot more, a lot better than they have been. Yeah, especially with you know, like spending the likes of thirty-two million pound on a striker. Um, I know he's getting the goals, but you want to be sort of stopping the rot at the other end. All right, so um, yeah. look, Stu, thank you so much for joining us, mate. That, that was a really nice interview. That I really enjoyed that. So um, yeah, and we'll definitely get in contact with you in the future and chat again, pal. Yeah, anytime, mate. No problem. All right, thanks, mate. Thank you. Thanks. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, it's predictions time. And as always, we will start with the listeners' predictions first. Um, 
at Upper Tier Steve has gone for a 1 0 win, another clean sheet with a penalty winner. At Eagle 7, 1987, a lot of numbers there. Another win, another saving grace for Pardew, 3 1 Palace. At underscore lowercase o, big F, Lair underscore, good name, I think, has gone 2 0 Palace. Danny Bryan, 27, has gone 2-1 Palace with Benteke and Townsend to score. The Holmesdale Cravatics have gone 3-1 for a Palace win. We've got to believe. Um, at Portfolio Biz and at Alex underscore Wadlow have also gone for a 2-0 win. There is a trend coming on here. At Jim Russ, 1980, has gone for 2-2. That is the only non-Palace win predicted. And at Jagerbomb Chris has gone 0-4, a well-deserved return to starting eleven for Muchy and Frazee, resulting in them both banging a brace in the final seven minutes. So I'm not sure he's taken that in the, the truest of spirits there. Um, before I get your guys' predictions, a uh, few stats for you. Uh, 53rd league meeting it will be, or the 53rd... Definitely all meetings. I didn't take out any of the other competitions because I was lazy. 15 wins, 18 draws, 20 losses. Our biggest win, 5-1 in 86. And our biggest loss is 6-1 in 1966. Um, That was sobering up after the World Cup win. Um, West Ham's World Cup win, that is, obviously. Um, We've only lost two of the last 10 games against Hull. But both of those have been in the last two matches. It's um, a weird way to look at a stat, I guess. Referee have been Mike Jones. Um, he has refed us on eight occasions before. We've only won once. Um, but two of those eight matches have been away from home. And we are unbeaten with two draws, which was 3-3 at Newcastle and 0-0 at QPR. So, Albert, come on. T- tell, tell, me, tell me we're going to lose. I don't mean we're going to lose. I hope we don't lose. We could lose. We might. Yeah, we're going to lose. I don't know. We're gonna lose. <laughs> yeah, we're going to lose. Yes. It's just all of that predicting of wins. It's just it worries me. What's every answer? time? Every time, unanimously, Palace fans think we're going to win. We inevitably lose. We could totally lose this one nil. Totally. But we could win it one nil. I don't know. It's it's so I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. Well, I can I can only see us scoring. I, I can't see how teams are going to stop us from scoring at the moment. It's no problem in that end of the field. So you you have a little think. You stew over it in your um, mid-season crisis that's going on over there. And Lucy, what, what what's your prediction? Um, I'm going to say we are going to win two-one. Mm. And who's your score is going to be? Uh, Big Ben. Big Ben. And I'm going to say James Tompkins. James Tompkins. Three in a row? (laughs) Surely not. Um, Okay, Albert? Just like West Ham fans cry. (laughs) Just so they cry. They got very upset with him tapping the Palace badge, didn't they? They After his go on the weekend. Mm. Yeah. Oh, one one said this is literally the worst experience of my life, and someone underneath tweeted him, uh, and he's a very young-looking child, the one who tweeted that, and uh, the tweet underneath was, um, "You're gonna have some shocks coming to you as you grow older, son." <laughs> <laughs> um, Albert, have you recovered yet to give me a prediction? One one. It's gonna be one all. One all. Big Ben. Um, I'm gonna go Zaha. Zaha. Yeah. Oh. Wow, he's certainly been playing very well at the moment and took his goal well against Swansea. And it was nice to see, um, obviously you touched on it on the review show, uh, defensively I thought he was excellent against Southampton. So he was man of the match, he wasn't did... he, Tell? No, he was not man of the match. <laughs> he had a very good game, but he was not man of the match. No, that, that was, was... Delaney. 
No, Delaney had a very solid game, but he was not man to match. Jason Punchin did exceptional things, and everyone just needs to accept it. Right, next up, we're going to be talking to um, Ian Waterson from Hull Kingston Radio, and he's going to give us the lowdown on our opponents this weekend. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Whole Radio. Right, we are now joined by Ian Waterson of Whole Kingston Radio. Ian, thank you for joining us. Yeah, good evening. So uh, so what do you? What, what's your role at um, Whole Kingston Radio, mate? Yeah, I'm... Uh... I've been working with the radio station in various different guises, but Hulkingston Radio came into being uh, in 2014, and I was working with a guy called Pete Mills, uh, another avid Hull City fan, and he set up a community radio station after working. We were both working on a previous incarnation before, but this one was really Pete's radio station. And... um, I was asked if I would uh, take over the whole City Fans Forum because he had a radio station to run. On the previous uh, station we used to work at, he used to present a whole City Fans Forum where once a week whole City Fans would get together and basically we get them from all different supporters' organisations and then we cut the wheat from the chaff on the week's events. But when Hull Kingston Radio came into being, I used to be quite regular on the previous ones and uh, had had a little bit of radio experience and he said, look, I... I'm struggling to manage this radio station and do a show, so will you do it? And uh, hence I became the uh, new presenter of the whole City Fans Forum, and I've been doing it now. I'm in my third season of presenting the actual show itself. Excellent. So the perfect call we all want. Do you want to talk about football with other football fans? Yes, please, I do. Yeah. Right, so, <laughs> so obviously whole season started a little bit rickety with uh, Steve Bruce departing in July. What's the what's the general feeling around um, the whole City fans about Bruce's departure? Well, it was a shock, but it wasn't a surprise, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing had been on the wall well before um, we actually got promoted. We were we should have clinched automatic promotion. I think we were top of the championship in February, six points clear, and we just fell away badly. Mm. And um, rumours were rife that uh, Eab had fallen out with the owners. And ironically, not the owner, Asim Alam. Um, he was quite a staunch defender of Asim Alam, even though he's got a lot of criticism from the fans. He was very much the conduit between the owner and the fans, mm. making peace. But the owner's son, Iabalam, who is now the vice chairman, uh, he there was a definite falling out. They they did not get on at all, and uh, that came to a head. And um, ultimately, everybody knew those rumblings in the background 
were very, very uneasy. Our form fell away badly towards the end of the season. We stumbled into the playoffs, really, just by the good work we'd done earlier in the season. Everyone thought we were doomed. We were never going to go up. But somehow, we did manage to go up. We won, the, won at Wembley, but um, the, the mood is sour. It was already sour. Thousands upon thousands of fans had stopped going. You wouldn't believe we were going for a promotion. Um, things were just not right. Eab was taking more control of what was going on at the club and he was rubbing up Steve Bruce the wrong way. The atmosphere was flat and when we got promoted, it felt anything but a promoted promotion season. Walking down Wembley Way, that, that tinge of getting promoted lasted about 30 seconds after the final whistle and then it was like, great, what's going to happen now? The mood at the club is foul. Yeah, so there's certainly nobody blaming Steve Bruce there, then. It's more to no, 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 Steve the Bruce is not to blame. It, he's just had enough of it all. We've had enough for years. We've already had enough for years. You know, fans weren't turning up in the thousands. That tells you that the fans were just disinterested in what was going on in the club. And it all stems originally from the name change, where they didn't get the name <laughs> change. They said to tell the club, two and a half years. They sell it within 24 hours. They give it away for free if they have to, because they couldn't change the name. And uh, that's two and a half years later and they're still here. So they're not in that much of a rush to sell. And uh, obviously getting promoted to the Premier League has given them more of an incentive to stay rather than leave, given the financial rewards of getting promotion. But that's that's testament to Steve Bruce and the players for actually... There was was a moment right at the end of the season, um, about three or four games to go, where... There was an acceptance that we were not going to get automatic promotion. And Steve Bruce had the chat with the players and said, forget automatic promotion. Yes, I know the mathematics here we can do it. We're not going to get it. We're just not in good enough form. So we draw a line in the sand now and we prepare for the playoffs and we're going to win him. And to be fair, we did. We did that. Um, we, we salvaged the season, really, with, with that talk that Steve Bruce had with the players. Um and and it was it, but it was wallpapering over cracks, so to speak. It, yeah. it, it, he'd done his remit of getting his back at the first attempt, but everybody, no, nobody had any gripe with Steve Bruce. Everybody knows, you know, fans were so disinterested. We we couldn't sell out any of our playoff games. We couldn't sell out our Wembley tickets because nobody wants to go while the Alams are there. Mm. Yeah, but this is the problem, isn't it? With fans voting on their feet will make a lot of a difference in the championship. But the money's just so big in the Premier League these days that it doesn't really matter if your stadium's sold out or not because the income is far bigger from the Premier League than it actually is from gate receipts and so on. It's not like back in the days when you know the gate receipts actually made a huge difference to your club. Um, but anyway, so we'll move on to this season. Despite all of that in the summer, you got off to quite a promising start beating Leicester and Swansea, but you haven't, haven't won in the league since. So um, can you put your finger on what's been going wrong? Um, yeah, I mean, Mike Phelan has got the job really because anybody we ever spoke to didn't want to come because I think they see the owners for what they are. Who'd want to come anyway? On the outside, they're telling everybody they want to sell and yet, the, we all know that they don't want to sell, but to every to all intents and purposes, they're out there as this club is for sale and we want to leave. But the reality is they don't, and that's what's frustrating. Um, I think Mike Phelan 
I'm not, I was never convinced he would be the right person. I think what he did is he, he adopted a siege mentality with the 13 fit players that he had. And that, that carries you so far, like the first three games of the season. But you very quickly get found out in the Premier League, don't you? So there's no route. You can't hide in the Premier League. The quality's too good. You know, there's always a player who couldn't do yet. And if you're not scoring goals, which we're not, then that's why we're sliding down the table. And unfortunately, there's no sign of this abating anytime soon. I mean, the, the victory against Southampton two or three weeks ago looked brilliant on paper, but I'll tell you now, we got absolutely outplayed in that game. We had one mad minute where we scored two goals and we won that game. But we, if you, Southampton fans were walking away from that game, how the hell have we lost that match? And I was thinking exactly the same. This should have been out of sight, but they didn't take the chances. Yeah, so um, so you don't think Mike Phelan's job's in danger was kind of twofold, really, that he's just there's just no one else that's going to take it. And uh, the the owners are probably quite having a, having someone on the cheap as well, I would imagine. Well, Mike Phelan's not going anywhere anyway, and uh, there's no point in him going anywhere because nobody would come here. But he's only been given a contract till the end of the season anyway. Mm. So it just shows the value that they placed on Mike Phelan anyway. Um, it's it's a shot for him, really, to, to prove the Alams wrong and say, you know, I can do this job. But the reality is, I think we all know, and I think the fans... We appreciate his effort for sticking around when Steve Bruce had clearly had enough. But the reality is, I don't think he can cut the mustard doing this job. And I think there's a realisation that that deep down fans know that, but who else would come? And so you, you back him because at least he's willing to have a go. And I can't knock the guy for that reason alone. He's prepared to have a go where nobody would touch us with a barge pole. Okay, so we've been speaking to um, Stuart Green tonight. Um, played for Palace and Hull. Yeah, um, super Stewie Green. He was at, he was at the, your game on Monday night, and he said he was very disappointed with Hull. Um, yeah. Based on that performance, can can you? He, he said he could see a shift in formation going to a three at the back, and we've um, struggled against a three at the back under Pardew. So it would be a wise move on your behalf. So can you see that happening? Um, I've been saying all along. Uh, we, we, we're persisting with four five one, and it's ridiculous. Mike Phelan hides behind the excuse that that is he's working with the fit players that he's got, and that's the way we have to play. But the reality is that our strongest side is three five two. We have got three excellent centre backs in Harry Maguire, Michael Dawson, and Curtis Davis. They can do the jobs. Ahmed El Mohamedi was playing right back. He's not a right back. He's a wing back or a right winger. And on the other side, you've got Andy Robertson, who is a left-back, but he's a very attacking left-back. So the formation fits if you play 3-5-2 to have Robertson and El Mohamedi would be at home playing as the wide men. And then you've got a midfield three, which is very experienced, that you could put in there Livermore, Huddleston and Mason, the Tottenham boys. That is a good midfield. There's nothing wrong with that midfield whatsoever. And then up front, you've got the option where you can pair Snodgrass off the striker, whoever that would be. At the minute, Abel Hernandez is out um, until January, until the transfer window opens, which rather surprisingly will be when he's off to Aston Villa to rejoin Steve Bruce. But he's just... He, that I would play 3-5-2. That is our strongest formation and our strongest team. But... 
Mike Phelan's reluctant to use it. Yeah, well, Elmer Hamadi and Robertson both caused us major issues in the the last time we came up to to your place to play in a 2-0 win for your team. Um, right, look, what's, what's your prediction for the game? Can you see Hull getting anything? I tweeted uh, I tweeted a couple of weeks ago after after your match with Swansea. Uh, I'm very good friends with Kevin Day. Um, he actually did a forward okay, for yep. a book I wrote. And he, I know he's a massive Palace fan, and I've known him a lot of years. And uh, I did some stuff for him at, uh, when he was at the BBC doing match of the day too. And we've kept in touch. And I tweeted him, and I said to him, you know. Palace fans on the wrong end of a nine-goal thriller. Lost your last six games, wondering where your next win's coming from. Don't worry about <laughs> Sam Fabton. Just make sure you arrive in Hull because three points will be yours. And I genuinely can't see anything else other than a Palace win. I love are... just how all football fans are just the same. We're exactly the same. What's that? You haven't won for six games. Come and come, yeah. come to our place. We'll sort you out. It's just yeah, absolutely. I think we're all the we same. We are the most charitable cause that you can think of. <laughs> we're not playing well. You what? You saw the Middlesbrough game on Monday. We we have not got any attacking intent in our team. We are playing on the back foot. Don't, we've got nil. Let's keep it at nil. That is really our mentality. And if we manage to sneak one great we'll try and hang on for it for dear life that's how all our wins have been accrued we won't come and attack here even though we're at home we won't play 3-5-2 we'll play one up front it'll be depressing and you'll just pick us off and win the game okay well that sounds perfect to me because we'd love to follow up Saturday with another win look Ian thank you so much for joining us tonight um, and we will definitely be in contact with you for the return leg if that's all right Ian, yeah, sorry, absolutely, no problem at all. Any 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 time you guys need a you need a hand, just uh, get in touch. And it's uh, a pleasure speaking to you. And uh, best of luck for the season. Oh, right, hang on, we got Albert. You want to jump in there? Yeah, just one. Sorry, sorry, Ian, just one quick question. At any point, yeah. did you ever think that Peter Taylor was Stuart Green's father-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> We've heard those rumours. <laughs> They're surfaced up here as well. We had a fantastic chant for Stuart Green, you know. Really good. He was a he was a very popular player with us. But bearing in mind it all his best football with us was in the bottom two divisions. But he, he did help us propel our way up. But uh that was when we were riding high and knew what the top of the table looked like. We, we did have a chant that involved Stuart Green where we are top of the league looking down on the nation and the only explanation I can find is the skills we have seen since we re-signed Stuart Green and his left us on top of the league. That we, we used to sing that every week because he was brilliant for us. Uh, well, great. Well, make sure you yeah, have a little listen out to when we send a pod out and you'll, you'll hear our little interview with Stuart Green that we did. Yeah, it was, uh, I heard him on Monday night and he, he was spot on, really. If we're not playing two up front, we're going to get beaten. He's right. Yeah, he was right. He saw it. He, he's just worried about the negative tactics that seem to be employed. And he's absolutely spot on. It's so negative. You'll see for yourself on Saturday. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, Ian. Thanks, mate, and we'll speak to you later in the season. Yeah, no problem. Take care. Cheers, Ian. Homestyle Radio, Freeview Podcast, sponsored by fanjul.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, that's almost your lot for this week. Uh, massive thanks to Stuart Green and Ian Waterson for joining us. Uh, very entertaining stuff from them. Um, Thanks to our producer, Tav. Good, good good luck with this one tonight, mate. It's been a bit of a car wreck behind the scenes. And, of course, thanks to my lovely panellists, Lucy and Albert. Thank you, guys. 
Thank you. Fun, more lovely. Albert, you cut you coming back you coming back on just all the time now? Or are you going to uh, take a rest? Well, I'm, I'm, the hamstrings are getting a bit tight. I'm getting a bit burnt out. <laughs> I think I need some sort of naked massage if anyone knows anyone willing to. What you need to do, you need to do what all the players do around Christmas and get sent off so they're banned so they can go home <laughs> and spend it with their families. <laughs> no, I'm going to show myself the red card. <laughs> show myself a red card I'm sure there's been many times in your life where you should have done that Albert and uh, yeah, and Lucy has already said thank you for joining us it's been nice having you back on thank you for having me no worries remember to tune in to the review show live on Sunday however if you are watching Bill and Ted's Excellence Adventure on ITV4 on Sunday night and thus cannot listen live don't worry, we fully understand. As a result, the podcast version of the show will be available for you to listen to once the movie finishes. To be prompted on its release, head to wholeradio.net forward slash subscribe and like, follow, subscribe and all of that jazz and you'll never miss one again. If you want to contact the show, you can email us on previewpodcast at wholeradio.net. Like, seriously, do that. I've not had one email and I'm starting to feel depressed about it. <laughs> or you can tweet us at Whole Radio. Uh, we will be back in your ears two days earlier than normal on Tuesday next week for the Manchester United preview when we will have another fun pack show for you guys. Until then, up the palace. Red lorry, yellow lorry. Unique wow. New York. <laughs> Unique Unique. <laughs> Eggnog. <laughs> Have I got my video camera on? This was a film set. You just record it as a special. That'd be it as an option. <laughs> Look behind the curtain. What happens here is me and the 1995-96 shirt and a pair of Umbro tracksuit bottoms I'd have had for about 20 years just sitting on a sofa. Video on? It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.